Hi, hi. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Escalator to Nowhere, a Simpsons podcast with Robert and Caitlin. I'm Robert. I'm Caitlin. And I am a seasoned Simpsons fan. And I'm Lauren Dane. And we are continuing our march through the entirety of this series so that my wife, Caitlin, can Me. learn more about this, this well series that I love so much. And we have made it to season one, episode 10. Double digits, baby. That's right. Homer's Night Out. So we are going to begin our discussion with some specs from Caitlin. That is correct. The production code for Homer's Night Out was 7G10. Oh, this is number 10. Supposed to be number 10. Supposed to be in this order. Written by John Vitti, uh-huh. who we haven't seen for a little bit, mm-hmm. and directed by Rich Moore. Originally aired on March 25th, 1990. Oh. So I have an important question to ask. Okay. uh, And you're going to have to flip through your pages to Uh discover this. Uh, Some pages. Uh, What was the production code for the last episode, Life on the Fast Lane? I actually looked this up before we started. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I didn't. I (laughs) I was looking at the wrong episode. Uh, It's 7G11. So this was originally supposed to be intended after. After. Or before, or before Life sorry. on the Fast Lane. Gotcha. Okay. Which that's important. Is... That's... Okay. Yeah, okay. that's important. This is uh, this is something I want to bring up later on. Okay. So anyway, so we are uh, starting at the beginning. The beginning. Oh, I need to read the synopsis yes, first. Yes, you do. Yes, I do. So I've got the synopsis here from the Simpsons fandom wiki. Uh, we will post a link to that wiki if you'd like to take a look at it for yourself. So the synopsis is... Bart purchases a spy camera through a catalog, and Homer goes to a stag party at a local restaurant. The rest of the family goes to the restaurant coincidentally, and Bart snaps a picture of Homer dancing with a belly dancer, Princess Cashmere. Soon, all of Springfield sees the picture, and Marge orders him out of the house. Homer takes Bart to a burlesque show to explain how he shouldn't take advantage of women. Okay. The synopsis seems very front heavy yeah. <laughs> for this episode. Yeah. Well, this, this, it's an interesting episode. Okay. In a couple of senses. Um, well, first of all, we start out with Marge and Homer in the bathroom, mm-hmm. kind of just having a discussion mm-hmm. like married couples do right. when they're in the bathroom. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Um, <laughs> uh, I was just thinking about us when we like brush our teeth at night and we have conversations, uh-huh. but, uh, it's a flash forward episode, a flash forward episode. <laughs> yeah. You missed this part. Remember I turned to you while you we were watching. Oh, right. So, so it starts out with Marge and Homer in the bathroom, kind of just chit chatting away. Okay, before we get through this, we need to talk about the opening sequence. Oh, I'm so sorry. Because I noticed something in the opening sequence that I have never seen before. What was it? It was that in the nuclear power plant, when Homer drops the in, the uh, carbon rod, yeah, and it bounces up into his shirt, yeah, there is a man, the man behind him with the sandwich. He has a sandwich, yeah. yes, <laughs> and he's holding said sandwich with the same with pair his tongs. of nuclear tongs. <laughs> I have not noticed him before. Yeah, you know what? If Homer was a good safety inspector, he probably would not allow that. But um, uh-huh. as we all know. I'm guessing that Homer has Homer not noticed care. the man eating the sandwich either. <laughs> right. Okay, so we open up on the scene. Marge yeah. and Homer are talking. Oh, they're in the bathroom. Mm-hmm. They're talking. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily remember what they're talking about, but just jib-jabbing away. 
Mm-hmm. Homer weighs himself. Uh-huh. And he weighs? 239 pounds. 239 pounds. And he's very upset by that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, they're going on about something. Bart, meanwhile, is cutting out a coupon from the back of what I presume is a comic book uh-huh. or a mad magazine or something uh-huh. to get a spy camera. So I'm going to say this right now. It's not a mad magazine. I can tell you why. Because there's no whatever his name is on the front cover. No. Oh. It's because Mad Magazine at that time did not run ads. Mad Magazine did not run ads in Mad Magazine until they went to color print. And this was like when I was like late high school. So Mad was always in like black and white print. Okay. And uh, I can tell you what Bart may have been looking at. A comic book is a is a likely uh, yeah. culprit. But I, I wrote this down because... <laughs> When I was little, we had these kind of ads in the back of our Boys Life magazine. Oh, oh so maybe that's it. I was in the Scouts, and when you're in the Scouts, you have a subscription to Boys Life magazine. So every month, I would read my Boys Life, and in the back, they would have tons of these ads for things like X-ray specs. Where you can clip the coupon and yep. send in like some money and get mm-hmm. whatever it is. Yep. So he's doing that. He decides he wants to buy a spy camera, mm-hmm. or get a spy camera in the mail. And that's from what, from what I remember, pretty much it for this first like bit, and then we get a title across the screen six months later. Oh uh, yeah, I definitely yeah. missed that. Yeah. I, I was writing down ads in the back of Boys Life magazine. Uh, that's, <laughs> when that okay. Happened. So before we before we transition forward, I feel like this is a trope though that like especially around this time, mm-hmm. I would say pre-internet age, mm-hmm. that that is something that kids did and like that is something that makes an appearance in media uh, like the oh the getting yeah of for the sure x-ray specs or the this or the yeah. that the hypnotic coin is oh, one yeah. of the things that he decides he doesn't want yeah no doubt like yeah. and it's all like i've seen it in other uh back of cereal boxes for sure oh yeah mm-hmm. you know and it's always just some crap thing and they never work properly i'm actually kind of surprised that they chose that the trope would work you know mm-hmm. uh, because uh everything that i ever ordered from the back of those magazines of which i can remember zero now right uh, but i don't think i ever did i never had it together enough to actually send off for it i remember oh, yeah. like really wanting to mine was from the back of cereal boxes because i uh-huh. didn't do comics you didn't or have voice life magazine his <laughs> life magazine at my uh-huh. disposal uh but I never, I never took that plunge when I was a kid. I so, remember my mom encouraging me though. I mean, like, yeah, you can do that. You just send them a couple dollars, and they'll send you, you know, whatever it is. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I think my mother was like, "What are you doing? Uh, yeah. <laughs> why? Why are you doing that?" Well, I think I think my mom, being a child of the fifties and sixties, was like, "Yeah, that's fun. Do it." But I never did. Probably because she never had stamps on hand. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> so um, before we go any further, I wrote down something about the another something else about the opening, as well. Oh, uh, the chalkboard gag. Oh but, yeah, that was funny. Uh, Bart is writing out. Uh, I will not call the teacher hotcakes. Hotcakes. Which, if you know Mrs. Krabappel, <laughs> you probably two things. First of all, I don't think that anyone would call her hotcakes. And second of all, she probably would really love to be called. That's hot cakes. true. Maybe not by a you know what you know what. You know what? She would love it, Uh but she would never express that. Am I right? Uh So, like, she would love that Bart called her hotcakes, but she would never let him know that she loved secretly, like, enjoyed that. Uh Um, 
and, and I'm not just saying that because he's a little boy, but because he's a, uh, you know, uh-huh. I don't, I, I don't know. You just yelled at me for touching my mic stand. I did because <laughs> you're fiddling with your microphone and I can hear it. Oh, can you? Yes. <laughs> Stop. Okay. I'm, I'm okay. turning. I'm turning that up so that our listeners can hear you <laughs> fiddling with that microphone. Sorry, stand. everybody. <laughs> um. So, anyways, I just wanted, I just wanted to point out like that. Uh, is from what I know about Mrs. Krabappel, if a grown man, we're talking about a cartoon here, but if a grown man, any grown man, basically referred to her as hotcakes, oh, I yeah. think she she'd, would really love she'd it. She'd eat it up, but but because it's Bart and because mm-hmm. he is a child and because she is a, technically, I guess, in charge of him while he's at school, she mm-hmm. makes him write it on the chalkboard. Uh-huh. So anyway, so we've gone through this opening sequence and we have fast forwarded to six months later. Yeah, so six months later and we're back in the bathroom with Marge and Homer. Mm-hmm. Homer weighs himself again yep. and he is again 239 pounds. Uh-huh. So good on you, Homer, for not gaining any weight over the yeah, six months period. Right. As a yo-yo dieter myself, I feel, <laughs> I feel like he's doing okay. Yes. Uh, so they're talking about like random crap i don't really remember what it is but um the important thing here though is not really what they're talking oh they're talking about homer going to a party to a party yeah yeah. so in the first scene homer makes mention of somebody oh that's right who is his uh his assistant his assistant and in the next scene they're together eugene fisk yeah Yeah. uh in the next scene he's talking about eugene uh marrying uh, getting married and, and then, now he now eugene is his supervisor <laughs> exactly <laughs> so uh, eugene has done well for himself homer however just like his weight has remained yeah stagnant. he's he's con- he is our constant he is our true north homer simpson <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> i i did enjoy marge's hair being in curlers uh-huh yep. but in, in uh yeah so and then um he's he's upset about himself because he's still the same weight. So he's like exercise every morning, Homer. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, Bart gets, gets his, his camera. Gets his camera. That's right. From the male lady. Uh-huh. Who is unhappy to be talking to Bart. Uh-huh. Who apparently has every day yeah. been bugging her about this stupid camera. Yeah. But he gets it. He opens the box. And two things. First of all, they did a really great job of showing that the styrofoam, uh, the packing inside. The packing inside, peanuts. Uh, God. Uh, held on to his, uh, by way of static electricity, held on to his arm. And then the second thing is, as we may mention a moment ago, the camera actually does work. Yes. He takes a picture and somehow he knows that it works mm-hmm. automatically because this is not a digital camera. It is a film camera. That's right. So as we will definitely realize later, mm-hmm. um, a quick note about packing peanuts. Oh, okay. <laughs> because of my job. I hate packing peanuts. Uh-huh. I have to deal with them on a regular basis, and they are just as big of a pain in the ass as the ones in his spy camera box are. <laughs> okay, that's if good. You're, if you're sending a package to somebody, <laughs> don't use packing peanuts. Just fill it with brown paper. Exactly. Fill it with brown <laughs> says, paper. Says Caitlin. Bubble wrap. If you must use packing peanuts, bag them. They will become their own little unit. They will provide just the same amount of protection as if they were loose in the box. Uh-huh. Bag them, stuff them in the box, call it a day. Like in gallon Ziploc freezer bags. How much Irish cream is in that coffee over there? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's almost gone. I, yeah. But, but uh-huh. I deal with this on a regular basis. Right. And I fucking hate them. I'm sorry. 
I know. I'm sorry you have to do it. You're the one that brought him up, so I didn't even see that part. <laughs> you triggered me. And mea culpa. Here I am. <laughs> oh, well, here we go. Okay. So, uh, Caitlin really hates packing peanuts. <laughs> And I'm glad she didn't see that part because we would continue to talk about it for 30 minutes. More. Shut up. <laughs> and Bart goes around and starts taking pictures. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he takes a picture of his own face. He takes a picture of Homer trying to exercise upstairs right. in his underwear. He takes a picture of Marge shaving her armpits <laughs> with an electric razor. Yeah, I don't know what that's Yee. about, Marge. That's pretty, I don't know. Girl, what are you doing? Yeah, and then... And then he takes a picture of his own butt. Yeah, so I want to talk about this real quick. Okay. It's hard to take a picture of your own yes, butt. Yes, it's extremely difficult to take a picture <laughs> of your own butt. Not to mention... Oh, no, maybe it's hard because, like, in the age that we live in now, you can see the picture that you're about to take. Yeah. Like, I think part of the reason that people have trouble with it is because they're trying to capture the perfect picture of their <laughs> butt. Uh, yeah. So now, if I were to take a picture of my butt, it would be for it would be for the reasons of showing off my dent. I have a dent in my butt, <laughs> and I don't mean the crack like that. No, I mean, he like, does have it. He's damaged goods. Yes, that's you'd right. be discounted at the grocery store. <laughs> I, I would be definitely. And so, like a couple of years ago, I uh, was walking out of my office and I slipped on the steps. It was snowing. No, it was rainy. That's what it was. It was cold, but it was rainy. And I slipped on the steps and went straight down and landed like ass cheek right on the edge of the stair. And uh, I got a huge bruise. Like Mm -hmm. it was a, my, my butt was black. Like it was, it was not good. It was, it was really, really huge. And then as it healed, uh, I realized that I had developed a dent, like a, a, like an actual dent dent that is parallel with the ground Mm -hmm. in my left butt cheek. And so, uh, I did what anybody I think of reason would do. (laughs) I started showing it off to people. (laughs) First of all, it actually began with a bruise because the bruise was so impressive. It was heinous. It It was really gross. The United States of America, like the map of the U S and that part I don't remember. You don't remember but that? I remember you even had like a Texas and a little Florida down I there. Don't, like, I don't remember that. <laughs> I mean, it was I'll a have wild. To look at the pictures you took of your own butt. It was a wild uh, <laughs> bruise, and um, because we had a wedding that we went to shortly after, about a week after I fell, it was Joe's wedding. Oh, okay. And um, oh, that's what. I, yeah, okay. And I. Oh and, my God, that was only two years ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, welcome to the panini, baby. Ay, ay, ay. And uh, at any rate, uh, so I feel like, uh, you know, taking a picture of your own butt is something that we obviously do in this Instagram age. <laughs> and though there is not a picture oh, of... Oh, sorry. <laughs> are you okay? <laughs> and though there is not a picture of my of my butt on uh, on Instagram that I am aware of, uh, I, do, I will say that I am fully aware of how difficult it is to get that perfect picture of... Of your own it's butt. funny that you're talking about the dent in your butt and your bruise when you have 10,000% when I have left my phone undetended taking pictures of your own butt. Oh, yeah. Well, obviously. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's a grand... No, no. The, the difference is that like, with those pictures, I'm not trying to take a perfect picture of my butt. I'm just trying to get as many pictures of said butt on, <laughs> onto your phone so that I can also change the background of your phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well... <laughs> Yeah, it is hard to take a picture of your own butt. Mm-hmm. I've tried to do it before as also, well. Also, just so you know, if I attend your wedding and you put a bunch of uh, disposable cameras on the table, there's going to be a bunch of pictures of my butt on those cameras. <laughs> <laughs> so invite me to your wedding and you'll have lots of fun pictures. 
and you'll be able to identify it by the dent. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. Moving on. Oh. Okay. I did I did see his dent this morning as he was getting into the shower, and it's less denty than it used to be. Do you like how she said moving on and then immediately came back <laughs> to talk about the dent in my butt some more? <laughs> I forgot to add that little tidbit. I'm, I'm afraid that we won't be able to post a picture of this on the Instagram, but you can still follow our Instagram <laughs> at Escalator to Nowhere Pod. <laughs> Correct. Um, so Marge... Uh, Marge is like, okay, you're going to this stag party thing. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. that's cool. I'll, I'll take the kids out to dinner. Uh-huh. Hey, kids, we're going to the Rusty Barnacle. Yep. And um, as it turns out, it turns out that's where the party is happening as well. Mm-hmm. Marge does ask him if he's going to a stag party, and he says, no, it's not a stag party. It's going to be very classy. Right. Um, but Homer is fibbing at Marge. Homer's going to Homer. Mm hmm. And so, anyways, uh, Homer uh, ends up at the party, and there's this uh, heartfelt speech by the groom, father of the groom about how much he loves his son. They looked the same age. <laughs> <laughs> Am I right? I, I mean, I didn't think he looked particularly older okay, than Okay, I was no. a little confused because I was like, who is this man talking, and who is this man he's talking about? Mm-hmm. And then come to find out it's the groom and the groom's father. Right. Uh, and... The uh, father and son, you know, embrace in a hug, and Homer is bored to tears by this. Yeah. Uh, Homer is sitting with Carl and Lenny. Yeah, uh, according to the wiki, this is Carl's first speaking appearance. Uh, speaking, quote unquote, because he does yeah. not sound he does like not Carl. Sound like does Carl. He actually sounds more like Lenny to me yeah, than Carl. Yeah, the, the wiki says that in the trivia section. It's like, mm-hmm. it's kind of they're both. It's not Lenny's first speaking role that I know of. I don't think so. But um, it says that their voices and eventually swap. It's definitely not Lenny's first speaking role because he says, way to go, Homer, uh, when Homer takes Marge out of uh, the power plant at the end of Life on the Fastlane. Right, line. right. Although, if we're talking about production order, <sighs> yeah, there you go. So that would have been number 11. So mm-hmm. there you go. But that being said, uh, we, we do see Carl. Uh, he looks like Carl, although he does yeah. not at all sound like Carl. And after... Who else is there? It's Carl, Lenny, Charlie's there, mm-hmm. and then a bunch of other randos that I don't know. Yeah, um, I wasn't really paying Eugene attention. Fisk and his dad. <laughs> Eugene Fisk and, his, and, his, and old pop. <laughs> yeah. At any rate, so uh, they finish with a heartfelt uh, I love you uh, from Eugene to his father, and then in comes the entertainment. Right. Who we know as Princess Cashmere. Yeah. Now, they describe her as a belly dancer. Mm-hmm. She's 100% a stripper, right? I mean, she didn't take any clothes off. <laughs> that's true. You're right. But I, I feel like that's more of what it's implying than... I actually wrote down, I thought, you know, this was pretty racy. Uh, not for 90s TV, because Married with Children was on TV at this time frame. Uh, but, like, I don't think it was racy for 90s TV, but I do think it was racy for 90s TV animation. Okay. And... uh and she, I mean, she comes in in basically what, without the, uh, out of context would be she, just a bikini. Her her costume looks a lot like the I Dream of Jeannie costume. It does. Yeah. That's what it looks like. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. It does look a lot like it. Although, I think. She's got like weird streamers coming out of her hips, but. Uh-huh. You know what they say, hips don't lie. Who says that? Shakira, Shakira. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know the words that's like you know one of the touchstones between one of my one of my very good friends and I talking about Emmanuel uh-huh 
is uh, that song and saying Shakira, Shakira. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, he'll text me every now and then with the like dancing lady emoji. Oh, I see. Yeah. Shakira, Shakira. Shakira, Shakira. Well, we were watching the VMAs one time and it it was it was a I moment. Ha- it was I, an inside joke. I have to say, I have to say that uh, speaking of Shakira, I think that Princess Cashmere kind of minus the fruit reminds me a lot of the Chiquita Banana Lady uh, in her dress. And I mean, because she's got the gauze, like uh-huh. the gauze sleeves on, and she, uh, I mean, she's just sort of scantily clad. I think the Chiquita Banana Lady, uh, she you don't ever see her. Carmen Miranda, by the way. Chiquita Banana. What? That's the lady that had the fruit on her head. Carmen Miranda. Who's that? She's the lady that had the fruit on her. <laughs> okay. So in the um, 50s, she was a movie star. And um, I'm uh, looking her up right now. Uh-huh. She and she wore fruit on her head? was a singer. Yes. Yeah. She in wore like fruit on her. Yes. She wore fruit on She had this hairstyle and the fruit on her head. Uh-huh. Um, uh, oh, she only, she died in 1955. Damn. Um, uh, she was Portuguese born, Brazilian samba singer, dancer, Broadway actress, and film star who uh-huh. was active from the 1920s and onward. Her nickname was the Brazilian Bromshell. She was known for her signature fruit hat outfit that she wore in American films. Mm-hmm. So the Chiquita Banana Lady, I believe, is modeled after Carmen Miranda. Ah, so Carmen, you learned something today. So, and I, I would, I would put forward that perhaps Princess Cashmere is also modeled after. Carmen yeah, Miranda. although looking at the the photo in the book, um, mm-hmm. Simpsons World: The Ultimate Episode Guide, yeah, uh, she's more I dream of Jeannie. But I agree with your assessment that like that typical like persona. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want me to show it to you? Um, I can see it. Okay. Uh, that persona, I, I, I would agree. She's kind of like a sexy lady. Uh-huh. The sexy lady of Springfield. Well, you know, she also, like, I, I think that what really lends uh, credence to the whole stripper argument is that Homer stuffs a dollar bill into her, yes. into her bottom. Yes. Not her butt, but I mean, like, her, her, her bikini bottom. <laughs> well, and he mentions a G-string later. Yeah, yeah. It's not a G-string. <laughs> no, it's not at all. But... It definitely is, I suppose, unironically, a, a more of a Brazilian cut, it looks like. So, like... Part of her butt is showing, but not the okay. whole of her butt. You're looking at a picture of her front, I, <laughs> so you're not going to see it. <laughs> I don't remember seeing her butt in the episode, though. Oh, when she first walks in, you see it. I, okay, I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, they cut now. from the front and then and then the back. Okay. Um, and so, like, at any rate, uh, Homer does stuff a dollar bill into her, uh, into her the bikini bottom, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Her pants. <laughs> <laughs> Those are definitely not pants. <laughs> they're not pants, but they're the pants that she's wearing at the time. They're not even hot pants. No, they're not. Mm-mm. They're pants with streamers. Um, and so uh, while Homer is up, uh, he's encouraged by a differently voiced Carl to get up onto the table and to dance with her. And so he gets up there and he's dancing with her. His belly's hanging out of his shirt. And meanwhile, uh-huh. Bart has to go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. So Bart goes to the bathroom. Yeah, Bart orders, because I oh, guess he's yeah. trying to be funny, yeah. he orders the squid platter with extra tentacles. <laughs> I mean, I like calamari. Hey, I, I ain't mad about that. Yeah. Uh, but it comes to him, and you know he turns green, mm-hmm. uh, looking at the squid platter. Yep. And he goes to the bathroom, mm-hmm. and then when he comes out of the bathroom, instead of 
going to the table like mm-hmm. a good little boy. Bart's going to Bart, and he yep. goes into the party room. Yep. And it is noted they're making a lot of noise by Marge earlier. Yes, and Marge asks the waiter to to go quiet down the the party. Yeah. And Bart opens the door, and who does he see? But Homer on the table with Printer's cashmere. Mm-hmm. And guess what? Bart has a tiny little camera. That's right. If this if this episode took place in 2020. Two, <laughs> what year is this? <laughs> oh um, boy! <laughs> he would have had a cell phone and he would have done the same thing. But he takes a picture of Homer dancing with Princess Cashmere. Yeah, I feel like in 2022, like uh, there would be more than one photo taken of Homer dancing oh, with Christmas Princess Cashmere. A thousand percent. And so, anyways, uh, he takes the picture of Homer, and uh, then we cut to a scene where Bart is in a, a dark room, a, yeah. a photo development. The future lab. photographers of America, I think. <laughs> is what um that's right martin yeah. says he's clearly the president of this club because he's uh-huh. martin uh-huh. um and they start developing the photos mm-hmm. and what does what does bart develop the picture of this, homer this on. particular yeah. one yep and so his friends say hey 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 i want one of those and he says sorry 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 no 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 but then millhouse shows up mm-hmm. and says uh you know I want one. And Bart says, okay, but you have to promise not to show it to another living soul. Yeah. So Millhouse is apparently in this club as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Martin does something that is very unmartin like uh-huh. he calls princess cashmere a sexy lady yeah he's he like does. whoa bart who's a sexy lady yeah so so then ensues basically all of the kids wanting copies of this picture that's right they haul ass over to the copier because uh-huh. i guess you know when you have the negative you can't print multiple copies did you notice uh that is a total lie but um did you notice um how much copies cost I did. Uh-huh. Did you notice the mess up with that? I did. Yes. Yes. So, uh, so the copier itself says copies are five cents. Uh-huh. The slot says 10 cents. Mm-hmm. And then I think Millhouse puts in a penny. Oh, did he? Yes. <laughs> I, I didn't see that. I, I did. Yeah. I did notice that they said they were five cents and then the slot itself said 10. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't notice so. he put in the penny. Yeah. And so, of course, of course, of course, these pictures end up all over town. Homer is viral before viral is really a thing. Yeah. And everyone in Springfield has seen this picture, apparently, to include Helen and Reverend Lovejoy. Yeah. App who for some reason has put it on. He's posted it in the Quickie Mart behind Uh, the register. Yes. Well, and and then here's something that threw me a little bit. Mm -hmm. And and you may be able to, to tell me more about this. Homer comes in to buy a scratcher and a donut, uh, uh-huh. and Apu is like, "Sir, you look familiar. Where have I seen you before?" Uh-huh. He doesn't know Homer. Yeah, he doesn't so, know his name. Yeah, and in, in this early season, the interactions that have occurred between Apu and and Homer, he has always just referred to him as "Sir." Sir, okay. Um, but uh, uh, their familiarity will grow as the as the series goes sure. on, that and also sense. as as Apu gets developed. Um, right. Becomes, this is really the only. I think it's the second episode where he's actually spoken. Yeah. And in both times, it's just been this. Thank you, I'm sir. The qui- I'm the quickie mark clerk. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. yeah. So, yeah. So Pooh's like, Oh, you look familiar. Mm-hmm. And then like, yeah, I, I wrote down Homer is viral without being viral Yep, in and the sense of it's not really viral, but it is. Yep. 
Uh, and, oh, and we, we forgot to make mention that uh, not only uh, has everyone in town seen this, uh, everyone in town includes Mr. Burns. That is true. And uh, so he berates Homer in front of Smithers, but then tells Smithers to leave. Uh, and yeah. after Smithers leaves the room, Mr. Burns then uh, entreats Homer to give him tips on how he might himself uh, do better in the company right. of women. But I think in between the, in, t- in between us realizing that everybody is seeing this photo uh-huh. and that scene where Mr. Burns dismisses Smithers and, and asks Homer for advice, uh-huh. essentially, um, Homer goes home and Marge has found the picture and she kicks him out of the house. Is that before then? Uh, oh. if, if, if you're going in the order that I wrote my notes, Yes. Well, that's the only way that you would know it, I suppose. So, yeah. yeah, I must have gotten out of order. Uh, yeah, so she kicks him out, and Homer stays the night at Barney's apartment. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> Barney's apartment, which you only see a couple of times uh, in the series, so far as I am aware. And the only other time that it, it, it is noted, notable to me uh, is during uh, uh, A Star is Burns, when Barney makes his movie and his famous line, Don't cry for me, I'm already dead. Right. Are you winking at me? Yeah. <laughs> they can't see you wink at me. <laughs> wink, wink. Caitlin's winking at me. Yeah. With her fresh eyes I after her after her little eye mask that she put on. Oh, her I, did, today. I had an eye mask on earlier. Uh-huh. I have no more wrinkles. Oh, there they go. <laughs> <laughs> see you later. Bye. <laughs> see you later. Um, that was my eyes talking. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. So, because because Marge kicks out Homer, uh-huh. Homer goes to Moe's. Right. Homer then goes home with Barney. Uh huh. And they look out the window. Oh and yeah. And they're they're looking at all the lights, and and Homer's like, "Oh, you see that little light over there? That's my house. Somebody must have left the porch light on." <laughs> and then cut to Barney on the phone, being like, "Hey, Bart, you left the porch light on." Barney, who apparently knows Homer's phone number. Exactly. Yeah, I thought the same thing too. I was like, "Did not know you were you were that kind of friend." But, to Barney, uh, but okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. So Homer then presumably goes into work the next day. He talks to Mr. Burns. Mr. Burns asks him for advice. Uh-huh. And then after work, Homer goes home. Yes. And the kids greet him, and it's very subdued, like for The Simpsons. Yeah. So I wrote down in this segment, Bart and Lisa have seen a lot between their parents yeah. in this first season. Like, there's been some yeah, well, real Especially shit. after the last episode and this episode, it's yeah. like, good God. Mm-hmm. Like, the mom's almost having an affair with the bowling guy, and yeah. then the dad, her, their dad's almost having an affair. Well, it's perceived that he's having an affair with his belly dancer. Or, or just in general is womanizing. Well, and yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, actually, you're you're definitely right because I wrote down Mr. Burns is lonely after this comment. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, Bart and Lisa have seen their parents really go, like, to extremes. Yeah. And, and I, I would say that, like, this episode seems to be, it kind of runs a little bit more of a full gamut uh-huh. than... Um, life on the fast lane just because you see kind of like that domestic I don't want to say bliss but you see like that domesticity when they're in the bathroom together talking about like what's going on in their lives and blah 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 Mm -hmm. you kind of get like a real sense of their relationship and like what their everyday life is like Mm -hmm. Um, and and I, I feel like that makes the Marge being so upset even more poignant i guess (laughs) it's not 
Lithuanian yeah, it's, it's, necessarily. Well, well, it's, it's certainly, but like her anger, her anger is more yeah. justified. Yeah. Because, you know, she's they they were fine. Right. They were doing good. Right. And then here comes Princess Kashmir. But at the same well, time, you have Jacques doing yeah. the same thing. I, well, I also kind of feel like. But you didn't in Life on the Fastlane. You didn't get that like kind of glimpse into their relationship. Like. Yeah. <laughs> like they're just. I don't know, like, like the scene, the tone of the scenes in the bathroom at the very beginning of the episode, uh-huh. the the tone is a lot different than mm-hmm. anything you get in life on the fast lane because okay. it's kind, they're mundane, uh-huh. like they're just sitting there talking like Homer's in his underpants, uh-huh. you know, and then this comes along and it, I feel like it was a little bit more jarring right. to the family dynamic when the picture comes out of Homer with Princess Cashmere. A lot more people knew about it too, because mm-hmm. not very many people knew about Jacques. Yeah, yeah. Only only Helen Lovejoy knew yeah, about exactly. <laughs> knew about so Jacques. like I feel like the stakes are a bit the stakes are a lot higher in this episode because the whole town is aware of what's going on. So like in the order of the episodes being aired, I could not help but ask this question with Marge being so mad at Homer. Uh Homer uh, comes in, uh, you know, he, he's speaking to the kids and uh, he's talking, you know, very quietly to them. So I'm mm-hmm. like, how's your mother? Mm-hmm. You know, he goes in the kitchen. She's sitting there, hands folded, frown on her face, mm-hmm. is not receptive to him at all. He makes a very feeble attempt to try and break the ice by being like, look, I'm not drinking from the carton. Yeah, drinking some milk. He's <laughs> drinking milk. Yeah. And I, I have to wonder, like, would I feel the same way if these episodes were in their original order. Well, the question I have is, yeah, is, is Marge carrying some guilt of her own here and projecting this? Right. But if, if this episode aired before the Jacques episode, right. That's that's how would we interpret that? Yeah. I think, I I think that would not have come into my mind that Marge had done something herself. Right. Uh, But given that they, aired in that reverse order like i can't help but say hey i kind of feel like marge uh i kind of feel like marge is maybe projecting a little bit onto homer her own shortcomings her own right uh you know you mean you mean now in the the sense that they've aired in this order correct yeah yeah uh because i mean you know we're, we're, we're watching, I mean, we're purposefully watching them in the way that they were aired yes. the first time through. And so like sitting here looking at her, uh, with her hands folded and not responding to him, I'm like, listen, lady, like you also fucked up. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Like exactly. you, you also made mistakes. Here. Yeah. But, but you didn't get photographed by your son who happened to buy a spy camera from the back of a magazine. I mean, fair the enough. The same week, you know? <laughs> uh-huh. Um, yeah, so anyway, she is pissed, and then she goes on a rant at Homer, which I was like, yes, you go, girl. Uh-huh. In the set, And she tells Homer, she's like, you know, I'm very upset, and I, I'm. she's like, I'm not upset because of me, I'm upset because of the example you've set for Bart, uh-huh. and that you're treating women as objects, mm-hmm. and women are more than just objects. Uh-huh. Very progressive, Marge. Good job. <laughs> I like it. Good job, Marge. Yeah. Looking good. So then we begin the 
So she tells Homer that she wants him to take him to meet this Princess Cashmere. Okay. Right? Yeah. Uh, is that where you're going? Yes. Uh-huh. And so Homer agrees. Yes. He's going to go and take Bart to meet Princess Cashmere. So he goes to the club where she works. Mm-hmm. Her name is April Flowers at the club, at apparently. At club, at that moment. Uh, and so, but she's not there. And yeah, so, and something I wrote down, because they go to like three or four different nightclubs. Uh-huh. And I'm like, Foxy Boxing is one of them. I was going to say, <laughs> the appearance of one of my favorite <laughs> phrases from Simpsons history is is the name of one of the clubs. Foxy Boxing. Yeah, so basically, <laughs> they go to the place where they know she works. And then they're like, oh, you mean April Flowers? She's over here tonight. Mm-hmm. And then they go to another place. And they go to another place. Per capita, Springfield, I think, has like a one-to-one ratio of sketchy nightclubs to their citizens. Especially if you're counting like the Maison Derriere. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Which presumably exists because Grandpa and uh, Jasper say, without it, we'd have had no fun since March of 1961. Oh, there you go. Uh and so, yeah, it, yeah, Springfield's got a lot of seedy underbelly. They, they must, have a, yeah, it's, it's. They must be over in Crackton, <laughs> which you don't know about. I don't but. know about Crackton. <laughs> Shelbyville, yes, Crackton. Listen, y'all, I grew up in South Atlanta, and there were numerous, uh, numerous strip clubs <laughs> around where I lived. Uh, and not like in the residential areas, obviously, but within a couple of miles, like they were all over the place. Hold on, I'm going to look up the and, name of the clubs. And none of them were. <laughs> we're okay. in good areas. Names of the strips clubs that Homer and Bart go to include Okay. Florence of Arabia. <laughs> Girlesque. <laughs> Foxy Boxing and Mud City. Which... This is ballet. What's the thing with the two chicks wailing each other? <laughs> you mean Foxy Boxing? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so is this the first appearance of uh, Foxy Boxing? I do believe so. Yeah. The so, first of as far as I'm aware, two appearances. <laughs> One, two, we have four nightclubs uh-huh. that all include dubious entertainment of some sort. Uh-huh. And then they're like, they're finally like, oh no, she's over here tonight. Some burlesque place, I guess. And, uh, yeah. Sorry if you could hear that. That would be burping. <laughs> <laughs> I got distracted by Robert, which is why I trailed off mid-sentence. So, so they go, they go to the nightclub. They find princess cashmere yes. and by the way let's talk about it real quick shauna tifton is her real name her, by the way i did not know that i did not know her name was shauna tifton when she said it i thought she said her name was johnny uh tifton <laughs> which uh, which is it, i'm sure sounds funny but like i actually know a, a, a woman I know named, johnny. named johnny yeah oh, do you? okay i mean i've heard of them i know we, a girl named tommy we also met a, a woman at one point named george we did uh which was weird to me until i realized Oh, wait, there's a whole song about a woman named George. Hey there, Georgie girl. Anyway. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. But anyway, so she says her name is Shauna Tifton. Mm-hmm. Um, but w- listen, uh, Homer is like, you know, tell me about yourself. What do you like? What are your likes? Dislikes. She, likes- she is getting ready to go on stage. She's literally climbing into a birdcage. Into cage. a birdcage. <laughs> She's, <laughs> yeah. But here's the thing that really impressed me. This is a like burlesque club with a full ass fly system. Yeah. Like I, the ability I, to fly people in. Yeah. Holy cow. Hopefully they have the correct safety precautions. Oh my God. Okay. We went to the exact same yep. place with that. <laughs> Did we see that show together? No. We didn't. I went to see y'all. 
community theater version of cats better or worse than the movie oh man oh (laughs) man oh i don't want anyone to hear this and get mad uh they were both bad but for different reasons (laughs) that's a fair oh man but the the biggest thing i did not see said community theater version of cats the, the biggest thing about this this community theater version of cats that I saw y'all was that they flew out. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Mephistopheles. Mr. Mephistopheles. Mr. Mephistopheles. That's it. Mephistopheles. (laughs) That's the devil. They flew them out at, uh, at, uh, intermission, I guess it was, or whenever. Anyway, you're not thinking about old Deuteronomy at the end. I don't know. I okay. don't, I've seen this show like six times and I couldn't <laughs> tell you what the plot is mainly because there's no fucking plot <laughs> to cats. It's a cat talent show, Robert. It is a to cat see talent who gets sh- into heaven. Yeah. It's a cat talent show to see who gets to die. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't understand. I don't, I don't understand that at all. I really don't. Welcome to our cat hot can, takes podcast. Can we please talk real quick about how shitty this show is, just in general. Like it's a bad show anyway. We've discussed this before. Yes, a, a musical can have great music, but if the book sucks, the show's gonna suck. Merrily we roll along. Thank you very the much. The Adams Family musical. Oh, that was awful. Yeah. Can we? Okay, oh man, I'm real mad about this. <laughs> I, I was thinking. I actually was speaking of talking in the bathroom. I was standing in the bathroom brushing my teeth the other day, and I was thinking about how terrible the Adams Family musical was. <laughs> I am not kidding. I seriously, this was like two days ago. Y'all, let me tell you something. The Adams Family musical is so awful. It's not good. And here is the number one reason. I would reason. say that even the music in that musical is not good. I, the but number, the book is The thing good. that sticks with me so much is that Wednesday Adams, think about Wednesday Adams. I want you to think about Wednesday Adams yeah. right now. All right. In this musical, she was bright and peppy because she was in love it was just it was just but like <laughs> that's not who Wednesday Adams is I know like, you can't, I like, know how we didn't see that show together did we I don't know but I saw I know where I saw it it was Me not too. a community theater production it was a college it production it was a collegiate production yes okay and I hated it the, we did not first see of that all, together this is not true uh, I did not hate it I loved the uh I loved the um uh uh scenic elements of it i thought those looked great um i thought that the orchestra did a great job but i the programs were easy to read they they sure (laughs) they sure they sure were um and actually i thought that like you cannot polish a turd i think is kind of what we're getting at uh, the performance was concerned it was good but the show was so bad but it it wasn't anybody's fault no it wasn't except for the writers yeah Yeah. and And those college kids had no control over that no it was not like oh caitlin i disagree on this but we saw a production of la cage full i thought Ago. Good. She liked it. I and we actually did not see this one together. Either. No, we did not. But we both, same same uh, oh, troop. Oh man, I just oh man, I hated it so much. I did. I and where I took it as I was like, they have a bunch of buff buff college boys in drag. Like okay. Yeah, I'll give so them that's, that. that's where Caitlin goes. But for me, like, like these are professional drag queens. They should be excellent drag queens. Okay, and like that's that was my main sticking point was that like the uh, who would become in Birdcage the Nathan yeah. Lane character I can't remember his name. Um, anyways, the Nathan Lane character, uh, the person who did that was. Well, Akaja Fall is a. Uh, 
the basis of the birdcage yes, with we, Nathan Lane and Rod, uh, Robin Williams, um, the movie, uh, which is a great movie. And Lacage all fall means the birdcage. Yes. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I think we, I think we listen. This is a very cerebral thinking podcast. I went, I went to New York mm-hmm. probably in, in the late nineties, early two thousands. And that was playing. And I think Kelsey Grammer was in it. Wow, really? I think. Oh, I'd go I see think. that. I know. I remember was it, was he, at the, it was at the Marriott Marquis. Was we he, did not uh, go see it at that time. Was he the Robin Williams character? I don't remember. Anyway, um, all, all I'm saying is that if you're putting on uh, a production of Lacage, like these are supposed to be professional drag queens. And not only that, they are in Miami, right? Aren't they in Miami? No, no, that's Birdcages in Miami. Birdcages in Miami. I don't uh, know. The book is by Harvey Firestein, y'all. God bless him. So, um... But cats. Oh, I'm sorry. It was 2010, 2011. Mm-hmm. Yes, Kelsey Grammer was in it. He was... Oh, fuck. <laughs> Opening night cast. Sorry. He was George. That does not help me. But (laughs) (laughs) so here's here's my thing. I think you were expecting too much from a college theater department. I don't know, man. I have seen some really great collegiate productions. Now, was this the correct show for this college theater department to pick? No, it could have been. I think it really could have been like it. It looked to me so much like they were just parading these guys out there and like like their friends in the audience were loving it. Like they were eating it up. But as somebody who did not know the people on the stage at that time. And the thing is like, I know some people now, like I now know people who were in that production and I feel really bad talking shit about it because I just hate it. Well, I really loved it and I thought you did a great job. (laughs) She did. The show show takes place in Saint Tropez, France. Gotcha. I do believe, Oh, I did not know Mike, Mike Nichols directed the birdcage. Yeah. I cannot easily find a place where this is set, but the, the show takes place in San Tropez. There you go. There's your intro fish bulb. <laughs> that's, that's it. Whoa. So anyways, we started talking about, <laughs> how do we get on this? T- hey, on, get us back on course there. Hot shot. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we're back on course. <laughs> okay, so we're we're back here. And um how do we get Oh, did we get there from Foxy Boxing? Is that I don't know. Oh no, I don't Princess Cashmere, uh her name is Shauna Tifton. Oh, the fly system. That's, no, what, that's it what it was. It was yes. Yep. So anyways, this place has a really incredible fly system and yes. I just was super The birdcage super takes place in South Miami Beach. Mm-hmm. The show takes place in San Tropez. How many times can I see San Tropez? I don't know. Drink. <laughs> Chug, 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 chug. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, Homer gets, uh, is, he's in the birdcage with, um, uh, with Princess, Princess Cashmere, Cashmere, also known as Shauna. Yes. And, uh, the show begins. Like, he's trying to get her to say, you know, things about her. And, in, gu- and guess what we learn? The fly system works. The fly system definitely works. Because homeboy is hoisted up. Mm -hmm. He is hanging on to the birdcage. Yeah. She's like, she's like, get out of here. We're about to start. Yeah. Director's going to, you know, kick my butt. Yeah. And then he's hanging on. And Uh you know what I said? I said to myself, his grip strength is impressive. He does have impressive grip strength. Guys, we used to do CrossFit. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. 
keyword on used to. Yeah. I miss it takes, CrossFit. It takes a lot to hang from even a bar. Yeah, for a significant like amount a of time. Bar. Yeah, for sure. I can't imagine what his hands were feeling like but hanging Homer from this birdcage. Yeah, it's up in the sky. Yeah. Uh, and it looks like he's like 30 feet in the air. Mm-hmm. Like he's way up there. And uh, Princess Cashmere is like, get off of here. Uh, and so she's like, you know, stomping on his hand yeah. to get him to, uh, to let go. And eventually, of course, he relents. He falls down in the middle of the stage. Like as the curtain's opening. Uh-huh. And there's a crooner uh, on the stage who is singing, who is like, get this bum off the stage. But people begin to recognize Homer because of the because famous of the picture. picture. That's been posted yeah. around town. And, and then so they start clapping. They cheer for him and they continue to sing the song. And it's this kind of like song, but I'm not sure. The, the, the wiki says that the guy, the crooner, is named Gulliver Dark. Gulliver Dark? Yeah. Wow. He apparently makes uh, appearances in other episodes. Oh, I don't know that I've seen him in other One episodes. or two, not very many. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, what, what episodes did it say? Oh, it's uh, it, there's two Homer's Night Out and Who Shot Mr. Burns Part Two. Oh, really? Yes. Oh. Didn't, didn't realize. Voiced by two different guys at the uh, in each episode. Mm-hmm. But he also appears who, who on the Almond shirts. Who was the first guy? Sam McMurray. Oh. Hmm. Well, he definitely had a very crooner voice. Yes. Um, and anyway, so uh, they recognize it's Homer. And so the crooner continues the song, uh, which is kind of a racy song. Uh, basically saying, like, I'd bang every girl from around the world if I could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's pretty much what the song is about. Yeah. And it's a little um, bit racist, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty racist. If we were playing the game, is this racist? I would say, I would lean towards. Yeah, Yeah. that's racist. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but, uh, at any rate, uh, Homer has a change of heart. He's enjoying the song first, right? And all these girls are dancing around him and people are loving it, but he has a change of heart. And as he has this change of heart, I don't think he sees but we see a big stack of blue hair in uh-huh. the audience. Yeah. And uh, we then see Marge. Yeah. Right. And she says, oh, no, he's sunk even lower. But Homer is trying to get the, the crowd to quiet down and the music to stop so that he can have his uh, telltale head end of the show style Address, speech. Ad- <laughs> writing his wrongs, it's addressing a, the crowd. Yeah, I think address is definitely the best way to put this. Yeah, yeah it's definitely an address. <laughs> and so um, he gives his four score seven years ago, which is basically like, hey, these women are not just, you know, not. He's like, they're not just sex objects, which I think is very funny. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm sorry. This, um, this character, the character of the crooner, is also seen in Bart the Murderer. There's three episodes he's in. Oh, go ahead. Is that season two? I don't know. Oh, okay. I'm not sure. What season <laughs> You're is. asking me as if I know. <laughs> I, well, I thought it might be in front of you. <laughs> the whole premise of this podcast is that I don't know. Yeah, I know. it's episode number thirty-nine. Oh yeah, fourth, so. fourth episode of season three. Oh, there we go. Okay, yeah. so. Okay, sorry. Um, and at any rate, we uh. Uh, we see Homer deliver his address, and then like men in the crowd start showing each other pictures of their babies, and right, and everyone in the well, he, well, Homer Homer's whole thing is like, listen, we we ought to treat women 
better than we do. There are sisters, there are mothers, mm-hmm. there are wives, there are daughters. Uh-huh. There and are th- uncles. Wait, maybe yeah, not so much are, uncles. <laughs> I think you said nephews. Yeah. Nephews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are nieces. Like, uh-huh. uh, so like that's his whole point. I wrote down Homer shames the whole room. Yeah. <laughs> He does. And then they're all kind of like, oh, yeah, well, Uh here's a picture of my baby Susie or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so anyways, uh, he makes his makes his big address there. And Bart sees it all. And we presumably see that uh, Marge says earlier that Bart idolizes Homer. Right. Homer says, no, he doesn't. Uh, But I would say based off of what we've seen so far in season one that, yeah, he does idolize Homer. Uh, And he he, uh, idolizes him. in the sense that he's his dad, but also just like in general looks up to him as a, as a, you know, leading male figure in his life. What are you doing? Sorry. Are you looking at Facebook? Yeah. I was going to look up something. <laughs> oh, that's what I was going to look up. Anyway, what? Just looking up time. What, what time the party starts? Tonight. I told you earlier. It's six thirty. Six, but okay. Well, that means we'll get there at six thirty. Yeah. <laughs> we live next door. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, so um, Homer kind of is. I, I think he's taken Marge's words to heart and been like, mm-hmm. "What you're doing is not great. It's not a good example for our kid, mm-hmm. and you need to fix it." Uh-huh. And this is his attempt to fix it, right? And in a very, course, very public and Homer way. <laughs> yes, and of course Marge sees this. Yes, because uh, she is there, and I have this question. Why is Marge there? I don't. What is she know. doing there? Unless she's like magically found out that this is where Shauna Tifton, April Flowers, Princess Cashmere Mrs. is working Pr- Mrs. tonight. Cash- Mrs. Cashmere. Princess <laughs> yeah. Cashmere is yeah. working tonight. Yeah. What? So this is the same question I had about the mob at the end of the last episode. What? Like, are they where did she come where from? Where did this come from? Yeah. What? Yeah, and also. Who's taking care of the other two kids? Uh, that's right, Lisa. <laughs> Lisa is, yeah, obviously. But yeah, it, it's it's a little bit mysterious as to how she yeah. actually finds them. What? Yeah, that that this that that is kind of a not kind of like it's really a Deus Ex Machina here at the end of this. Like all of a sudden, you know, everything you need to solve the problem is is there is in this one yeah. room. I guess really like, well, I mean, when you only have 22 minutes, you got to figure it out somehow. Hey, 2305. 2305. Sorry. <laughs> I forgot. It's early 2305. 90s. <laughs> and doesn't take as many ads to produce a show. <laughs> she runs up to Homer, gives him a kiss and it's lights out. And scene. Yeah, and, and that's pretty much as it. As they kind of zoom out from Marge and Homer kissing on the stage, Homer's mm-hmm. like, or I'm um, sorry, Bart's like, Hey, you like to see if a parrot's kiss or something like that. It was very oh, weird. that's right. Only weirdo. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Only shows weirdos, over. Like, only yeah. only weirdos or whatever uh, perverts. And I don't say that, but uh, right. Like to watch my parents' kiss. Yes. Yeah, and then uh, we're done. And we are cut out. to credits, which is very much so the way that season one has been going so far. Yeah. Status quo. Yep. Marge loves Homer. Homer loves Marge. And they're all one big happy and family. Everything is good again. Yep. So. What'd you think? I thought it was fine. Uh-huh. Um, I'm glad to finally know Princess Kashmir's origin because I feel like when we watch later episodes and there's a crowd scene, yeah. she's there. She is there. And yeah. I never really understood her context yeah, in relation I, to the rest of the show. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm not sure that we see her speak ever again outside of the, the roar of a crowd. You know where she is? Where? On the puzzle. Oh, she on the puzzle. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, she is. Yeah. She's on, she the is puzzle. on the puzzle. Um, I thought it was good. I did appreciate, and I think I probably would have liked life on the fast lane. Mm-hmm. Had they had this, I would have liked it better. Sorry. Uh-huh. Had they had this like kind of like baseline of Homer and Marge domestic relationship. Right. Um, instead of it just kind of being like, I don't know. We have that, but I feel like this episode is kind of, kind of gives you more of a peek into the more mundaneness of so it. I think, I think maybe where you might be heading with this is that in life on the fast lane, we get a lot more development of Marge, Marge but we yeah. do not see a lot of development of Marge and Homer. Right. And I think we right. see that here in the beginning. Uh-huh. And I feel like every single episode I talk about character growth, but I feel like that's really important, yeah. especially with this being the first season. There's a really good, um, 18th century reference from a, a, a pastor who's an itinerant pastor. So he's going around and he's staying at a house. He knocks on a door for hospitality. Are we talking about Philip Vicar Scythian? No, oh. I don't think so. Uh, but although Philip he's Vicar not Scythian itinerant, never mind. Is, he's not, he's not, but his diary is very amusing. Okay. Um, but anyways, I forget the name of this pastor. Anyway, he is out in the back country of Virginia and he knocks on someone's door and asks for hospitality, a place to sleep that night. And they invite him in. And they have two beds and apparently like the, there's the parents and then their son and their son's girlfriend is there. And so they have the two kids sleep in the bed and then they have the two parents sleep in the bed and the pastor is lying, is sleeping on a pallet on the floor. And the two kids are obviously starting to interact <laughs> we'll say uh he's not really specific on, on how far they're going but they're in a romantic way they are definitely being romantic they are boyfriend and, and girlfriend not siblings he yes <laughs> uh and he he notes that the parents continue to talk and the phrasing he uses is that the marital word mill continues to grind <laughs> And so that's that's what I was thinking about with the bathroom scenes is like yeah. that's just the marital word mill like you just are talking, you know, you're just talking to talk a lot of times. And that's what that, that's, that's what that feels like there. And that's very, uh, it's like, it's like, a, right? a peep like behind the curtain. Well, yeah. But like, I mean, what I mean is that, is that that's just a, a comforting part of married living, right? Yeah. Is like, and when you're d- not you here. D- and, and before this, we don't really get a glimpse of that. We get it a little bit, I think at moaning Lisa when they're in bed and they're both having trouble sleeping because of various parenting problems. Yeah. But them on like a, like as a couple, you don't really see that until now. Mm-hmm. That's why I think the stakes are higher in this episode than they mm-hmm. were in Life on the Fast Lane. Do you think so? A little bit. Yeah, okay, okay. I know that you didn't like that as much as I did. I did yeah, you liked that episode way better than uh-huh. I did, but I don't know. Um, but uh, all that, all that is to is to say that like you know like when you're not here, or I assume when I'm not here, like one of the things that I notice if you're on a trip or something is that it's very quiet here, right? Yeah. And so like yeah, for sure. Like standing there brushing your teeth or whatever it's very boring yeah you're just like, <laughs> like no no one's no one's in there cracking jokes or farting or whatever right. you know <laughs> right i can't pop anybody's zits <laughs> caitlin is a zit popper y'all she's like let me That's see your gross. back i'm almost 40 i got back knee. <laughs> leave me alone it's not that it's really not that bad <laughs> but yeah but yeah you know like i think establishing that 
to me, mm-hmm. makes the stakes higher. Yeah. I, Whereas I, in, I, I in Life on the I mean, Fast Lane, in Life on the Fast Lane, you don't get that. Well, like, this is the all. difference between this and, again, like Homer's Odyssey and um, uh, 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 Call of the Simpsons, uh, wherein, like, you don't really care about them as people. Like, you mm-hmm. don't establish that they are people well, and, and they're not relatable in a lot of ways like what you see is homer jealous of ned so he tries to go and make ned yeah, jealous right and so and also too like life on the fast lane it's marge's birthday and homer fucks up he so does you definitely yeah, yeah. sympathize more with marge there uh-huh. i think than you would like you don't sympathize with homer here really I feel Unless like you did. <laughs> I did sympathize with Homer a little bit, but I like in, but only in the sense that like he succumbed to peer pressure in that situation. The problem in, I think really here is that Homer lied to Marge about what kind of party this was. Right. Yeah. And he should have just said, yeah, yeah. there's going to, it's a stag it's a bachelor party. party. It's yeah. a bachelor party. That's what it is. You know, I'll keep it under control. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we'll be, we'll be okay. I'll call you. Right. You know, all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, although that's be much more involved in the, the time of this area. You have to bring a quarter with you. Yeah. <laughs> God. <laughs> Remember uh, the phone number, which apparently Barney knows. were terrible. Yeah. Barney knows it. So. <laughs> it sure, sure does. I mean, what's the problem? So, um, anyways, we're at the conclusion of the episode and I have finished my drink, which by the way, I am oh. drinking out of a mug that Caitlin got me for my birthday. It's a, you're not going to believe he this. Posted one I posted it on Instagram. If it you is on the Insta and you should definitely go take a look at it. It is a mug from the 1982 world's fair in Knoxville, <laughs> Tennessee. I am astounded that she found something like this. The wig sphere is on it. It sure is. Front and, and if center. you, if you, <laughs> if you gentle listener would like to have a mug of your own, um, eBay is rife with paraphernalia from the 1982 world fair. That's wild. <laughs> That's so crazy. And it's like an original mug, right? Like like they made this. It's from nineteen eighty two. It's before it's from before both of our births. Yeah. Believe it or not. And we all know you're much older than I am. Hey, that's mostly true. (laughs) (laughs) I am just I just I think this is so I think this is so funny and so good. Uh and just like a great gift. I'm glad you like it. It was whole six (laughs) dollars. Thank you to the nice lady in Tennessee. I think that sent it to me. So, um, it would make sense. There's got to be. She's just hanging out with like a thousand mugs yeah. in Tennessee. <laughs> she's got. They're actually in the sun sphere as we speak. Uh, that's, that's, right. that's right. We got sixteen thousand mugs that, in the sun sphere. That's right. Sphere. They replaced the. They replaced the wigs with mugs. <laughs> you guys didn't know that episode was a, a documentary, did you? That's right. <laughs> now Which, are you going to buy some wigs, or ain't you? I told Robert. I would say that that episode is probably in my top five mm-hmm. of the ones I've seen. That's a very good episode. I don't know the name of the episode, but I like that episode a lot. It's Bart on the Road. Bart on the Road. Uh-huh. That's the name of that episode. Spring break, yeah. Spring break. I posted a gif from that the other day. Surely I and my $600 can play some small part. <laughs> Speaking of Martin. Uh-huh. The $600 would not get you a car for a week these days. No shit. shit. Nope. Although it would get you almost two months of payments. And Caitlin's really got to pee. She just gave me the I got to pee. And I have to pee as well. So we're going to say goodbye. Thank you so much for listening to the Escalator to Nowhere. If you'd like to follow us on our social media, you can do so on our Instagram at Escalator to Nowhere Pod or on our Twitter at Esk to Nowhere Pod. 
Uh, you can also send us a message if you'd like via Gmail at escalator to nowhere pod at gmail.com. You can DM us on Instagram too. You it's sure just can. a little more difficult to na- navigate all those DMs we're getting. <laughs> that's, that's, Not really. That's, that's, that's right. But hey, we're having a good time doing this and we hope that you are having a good time listening. Thank you so much for joining us and we will look forward to seeing you next time. Until then, I'm Robert. I'm Caitlin. And I am a seasoned Simpsons. I'm saying this very slowly. <laughs> Stop. And I'm learning. And she got a piece, so she got to go. Cue the music. Goodbye. Bye, everybody.